In this morning's Gospel reading, there are a few characters from John chapter 10. There is Jesus, who fashions himself as a gatekeeper, protects his sheep. There are sheep who are protected by the gatekeeper. And there are thieves who sneak over the fence and steal the sheep. I suspect you fit in one of those three roles today. I suspect you're probably not Jesus. I suspect you're probably not the thieves either. Though if you are, watch out. But we're sheep. You're sheep. And if I'm a character who is uh, maybe hidden in this story somewhere, maybe I'm a a border collie who's trying to help Jesus uh, herd the sheep up together a little bit, every once in a while nipping at your heels, uh, for which I'm sorry, but sometimes that's just what what we got to do, right? I'm not going to come after you today, uh, but there is a sense in which if we are sheep and uh, Jesus is our gatekeeper, we must attend to him. And so the pastoral role is to help us do that today. We may think about those things uh, before I confess to being a thief as we read the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run, in, run from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus says to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, and I will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I confess I have been a thief before. I suppose maybe you have too once you hear my story. And the statue of limitations is up and so all are safe. But I can picture myself as a child in Marquette, Michigan. I was no more than five because we moved away from there. Uh, at that age and we were in the checkout line at the grocery store and I snuck a package of gum into the fist of my hand I clutched it secretly as I walked out of the store and into the car with my mom I sat in the front seat because in those days we didn't care where kids sat in the car and we were about halfway home before my mom realized what I had done of course what's silly about this is I could have had gum at home, right? I had plenty of gum and candy if I really needed it. I don't remember even chewing that gum. I'm sure I didn't. 
But I do remember that mom was not happy. It's fitting also to confess that uh, between graduate school and my uh, first full-time job, I also stole Wi-Fi from my neighbor in the apartment complex. He had an open network, and so I would log on when I had a great need. We weren't paying for phone or cable or internet or any of that at the time. It was the early 2000s. It was the Wild West of the internet. So I limited my browsing, and the Lord has heard my confession. I've also jumped fences. Maybe you have as well. As a teenager in Texas, we had these six-foot wooden privacy fences. The, the suburbs, as you fly in over Texas, you can see them. They are squared off in a grid of wooden fences. And whoever moves into the house first gets to put the slat side on their side. And on the back side are the three trusses right here and right here and right at the bottom that can assist you greatly if you need to retrieve your baseball from the neighbor's yard. Mr. Porter never wanted us to jump the fence, but let's be honest, going around to the front of the house took so much longer. And as I remember it now, some of us were just so good at hitting home runs, he would have been terribly bothered uh, by our success. I've been a thief, I've jumped fences, I bet you have too. But somehow I'm not sure that those silly illustrations are exactly what Jesus is talking about when he is warning us of thieves, of bad shepherds, and of the things that will lead sheep astray. I suspect the ones that he is warning us about are less petty, might be more sneaky, and are much harder to untangle ourselves from. The fourth Sunday of Easter each year is a Sunday in which we talk about the Lord being a good shepherd, the good shepherd. It's Good Shepherd Sunday, and so we read passages about how the Lord is our shepherd and how we need to care for the sheep and how Jesus cares for the sheep. This is an important image that's carried throughout Scripture And the first place, the most common place that we we think of and that we go to when we think about the Lord as our shepherd is exactly what Tim read. David writes in the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and He cares for me. He provides for me. He walks through difficult valleys with me. And when I stick with that shepherd, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we read Psalm 23 and we hear that the Lord is our shepherd, we we are put at great ease. The Lord shepherded His people out of Egypt. The Lord shepherded His people in and out of exile many times. The Lord shepherded and guided them and provided for their needs over and over and over again because this is what a shepherd does. A shepherd guides and provides and cares and protects. And this is what we think of when we think of the Good Shepherd. In the Gospels, Jesus repeatedly talks about a shepherd who guides and provides and cares and protects. 
Jesus even talks about a shepherd who chases down lost sheep. The parable of the lost coin and the lost son and the lost sheep remind us of this. Jesus is our shepherd and it is a comforting image. It's right here. And in today's Gospel reading, Jesus promises to care for and protect His sheep. He describes Himself as the gatekeeper. He's the gatekeeper who provides safe entry and exit for the sheep and for the right shepherds. When Jesus is guarding the gate, the thieves are kept away. But some thieves can't help but jump the fence. And get at the sheep in unseemly ways. What's interesting about this, though, is when we think about the thieves that Jesus is referencing, and and we read nothing of this in this reading, but as you flip back, you might see. the, The people who Jesus is really calling thieves in this passage are not who you and I might think of. Jesus is not considering organized crime as a threat to his sheep in this passage. Jesus is not referring to people from the wrong side of the tracks or us being on the wrong side of town in this passage. Jesus is not referring to the drug dealers and the crime and the gangs and the violence or the petty thieves. Jesus is protecting him from the sheep who are the religious leaders of his time. Jesus is protecting his sheep from the religious leaders of his time. Jesus is protecting his sheep from those Pharisees and Sadducees for whom the people might say, well, I really want to follow Jesus, but it's easier just to listen to this guy and make him feel okay. Jesus tells his sheep that the ones that they might need to be most protected from are the ones who are in power who claim religious authority, who cozy up to the political powers, who display a religious and spiritual piety that only serves those false shepherds' self-interests and ultimately uses sheep, not cares for them. It's as if Jesus realizes that his faithful sheep probably aren't going to need protection from the baddest bad guys in the world. Not from the obvious threats that make the evening news, but the biggest threats to his disciples might be those who are the most cunning, who use the disciples' desire to be faithful against them. But Jesus promises his faithful sheep that those who are who are, are humbly and faithfully following him, he will protect them. But for those who make a show of religion and who act like religion is a faith and, and uh, religion is a tool to be used by those in power rather than to empower the faithful, Jesus says you're going to have to watch out for those. Pay attention to those. I'm the gatekeeper who is keeping out those guys. Jesus does protect us, will protect us, but provides a way of protection that is different than those religious leaders of his time were trying to protect the people. 
But the sheep can't be protected if they listen to the wrong shepherd. The sheep won't be protected if they get caught following the wrong shepherd. And I think that, frankly, that's, that's the hard part for us. It's all too easy for us to get stuck following the wrong shepherd. Natalie and I have, over time, watched a show on CBS called The Amazing Race. Maybe you've caught an episode or two of this show, but The Amazing Race is basically um, a, a youth group scavenger hunt on steroids around the world. Okay? They, the, the teams of two race around the world and they do tasks and whoever finishes a leg first gets to leave first the next time. And they're given these ridiculous tasks, tasks in different parts of the world that fit with the culture in that part of the world. Like when you go to Switzerland, you roll cheese down a hill because in Switzerland they have cheese. And in one episode that just stuck out in my head a lot, especially as it deals with this, this story, there was an episode where the racers were instructed in moving a herd animal from one pen to another. And the only tools they were given were these two big long sticks of sorts. And I watched this and thought, there is no way that I could move that herd of animals from here to there. And I just had this sick feeling in my stomach thinking, like, these teams are never going to get this. But some of the folks in the race got it right away. They got the sticks up. They realized that the way to, 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 to accomplish the task was to hold the sticks out wide and to move with care and with ease and to act like you knew what you were doing and to just move the animals along easily, quickly. Now, of course, those of you who know anything about animals and who have been around animals will know that the people who were anxious and who yelled and who lost their temper quickly, there was those folks who had no chance at hurting the sheep. It was clear that that was the wrong shepherd, and the sheep were not going to follow someone who was waving the sticks all around like this. But it was striking to me how in just a few minutes, somebody could given, be given two sticks and a little bit of instruction, and they could move the whole herd exactly where they wanted it to go. It was surprising how quickly this happened. And the point is, of course, it's shocking to us how quickly someone can become a false shepherd just pretending, acting the right way, and waving their sticks in the right direction. A couple untrained people on a reality show can move sheep from one pen to another like that. And when we look around our world, one of the things that I bet we can see is that there are pretenders and imposters all over our lives. Hucksters who might have the chance at shepherding you and me into the wrong pen if we listen to the wrong voice because They've got two sticks, and they walk calmly, and they think, come on, I'll protect you, I'll take care of you. And it seems great. We need a shepherd who won't herd us into the wrong pen, don't we? 
We need someone to put us at the right gate and to guard the door. We need someone who will watch the fence and protect folks from hopping over the fence. We need a shepherd who knows the difference between a kid retrieving a baseball and a thief retrieving a sheep. And Jesus is a shepherd, and we are sheep, and we need to know the difference in the voice that we're listening to. We need to know the difference between the true shepherd who says, I bring them life and life more abundantly, and the shepherd who just showed up with a couple of sticks and says, hey, I got this for you. And I don't think it's the mean-spirited people. I don't think it's the evil people who we're most susceptible to. I think the problem with our lives and the difficulty that we have is that there are fake shepherds masquerading everywhere all around us with things that seem like good ideas that take us away from the voice of the true shepherd, that take us away from worship and discipleship and time with God and the life, that the work that it takes to cultivate hearing the shepherd's voice. There's voices who tell us to seek out safety instead of care and opportunity for others. There's, there's voices that tell us just go rest and relax instead of engaging in service and discipleship. There's voices that tell us as long as you say a prayer on Sunday, it's okay to treat Sunday like every other day. And I think these sound good, but they're false shepherds. And it's so easy for us, myself included, to follow a fly-by-night shepherd at times. But what the history of the church has taught us that, is that the way to not be tricked is to, to follow the herd and to stick with the shepherd. The one passage that I didn't read today that we could have, I, I will, I guess, read it, that talks about how you stick close to the shepherd comes from the, the book of Acts, chapter 2. Talking about the early church, we're reminded that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Awe came upon everyone because of the wonders and signs that were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together. They had things in common. They would sell possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to those who had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. And they broke bread at homes. And they shared their food. They ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having goodwill for all people. And day by day, the Lord added to the number of those who were being saved. I think, I think for sure, it's the role of the church and the practices of worship and discipleship and of prayer and of service and of faithfulness to one another and to the Lord that help us to know the voice of the shepherd and help us to know the difference between the shepherd's voice and someone who's got two sticks telling us, hey, just come on and do this. It'll be fine. And I think that it's sticking to the flock and sticking to the, the practices of the flock that help us to know the difference between the real shepherd and someone who just jumps the fence to steal a sheep. And so this morning, it's Good Shepherd Sunday. And you want to follow the Good Shepherd. And maybe I'm the border collie who has nipped at your heels in some way or another, and maybe not. 
But on this day, what we read and hear and proclaim is that Jesus promises to care for His sheep, the ones who know His voice, the ones who are a part of His flock, the ones who worship together, who study Scripture with one another, who gather and share life as part of a congregation, which is the body of Christ. And then those who are gathered trust that in being with the Good Shepherd we will be protected. Maybe not from everything that could cause us harm, but protected in such a way that we too will receive life, life more abundantly. To know the Shepherd is to be a part of His flock and is to spend time with His flock. That is where the Shepherd promises to be, at the gate, caring for us. And hope we as sheep promise to be with him as well. Shall we pray? Gracious and loving God, we are your sheep and we seek to hear your voice and to know your love and your grace and your protection. And so Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to know your voice and to not be fooled. Help us to know what it means to be faithfully your sheep and to be protected as only you can protect us. Lord, lead us in that way, through that gate today, and, in the, and lead us through that gate in the days ahead. It is in your name we ask this thing and that we offer this prayer.